Hello and welcome to Sam and Dan and Repo Man from AcmeScience.com. Oh, and uh, welcome to this uh, weird movie podcast, me and Dan Saidu. How you doing, Dan? I'm well. How are you, Samuel Hansen? I am uh, pretty good. I mean, I'm not fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we but, are only like two weeks from Max FunCon. This is true. Um, also, it is crazy humid here in Boston. <laughs> uh, it's... It's uh, we're, we're recording pretty early in the morning for me, and my air conditioner is broken, and I live in Las Vegas. Yeah, so we're, we're, both, uh, we're both getting our sweat on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, it's a good thing that we're not recording this in the same room. Yeah, probably. Also, you're probably wearing some sort of heavy tweed. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do love tweed. I actually just got some tweed in the mail and brought it to the tailor. Uh-huh. Uh, because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, it, what do we talk about on this podcast, Dan? Um, well, it's funny you should mention that because today we are talking about the cult movie uh, Repo Men starring Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. Okay, there was about five things wrong with that previous sentence, Dan. Okay, what are we talking about? Okay, one, we're talking about a cult movie. Repo Men is not a cult movie. That was a major Hollywood release. Uh-huh. So we are talking about a cult movie from the 80s, not uh, two years ago. Uh-huh. And this one stars Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, the Mighty Ducks? Harry Dean Stanton, not Joshua Jackson. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Directed Sam, by Alex Cox. Sam. Yeah. I'm going to admit something here. I may have watched the wrong movie. <laughs> well, fuck, Dan. Okay, we're watching. We watched Repo Man. Repo Man. I, I was under the impression we were watching the uh, hit movie Repo Man, and then when I wasn't sure if that was the movie, I decided to watch Mighty Ducks instead. Which Mighty Ducks? Uh, the first one. Oh, you screwed up there. Everyone knows it's the third one that you really want to watch. The one without Emilio. Well, you had mentioned Emilio Estevez was in it, so I took a, <laughs> I just took a shot in the dark. Okay, no, we are here today to talk about the cult, not making sense movie, Repo Man, starring Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. Well, 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 if it ain't the Repo Man. And uh, Jimmy Buffett? Jimmy Buffett is not in this movie. He is, though. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Who does he play? I don't know. But I look on the, I look on the, uh, the credits for Repo Man, and Jimmy Buffett plays additional blonde agent. <laughs> so and he- it confuses me because I went back and I tried to find him and I couldn't find him. It happens sometimes. People just explode. Natural causes. Okay, so let's let's uh, give a quick rundown of, of the movie Repo Man. Okay, so this dude is uh, insane, and he's driving a Chevy Malibu that has some sort of massive killing device in the trunk. Yeah, I think they were like, were they dead aliens? Uh, <laughs> Something. It, he, it, he has some sort of crazy he, radioactive alien thing in his trunk. It's like, it's like sausage. It's sausage auto. Okay, so he is part of a group uh, known as the United Fruitcake Outlet, Mm -hmm. UFO, and Uh he has convinced this group that he is driving from Los Alamos with the remains of a bunch of aliens. Okay. So that's what's going on there. The uh, key factor about this is whenever anyone opens up this trunk, they immediately get completely vaporized. What you got in the trunk? Oh, you don't want to look in there. Give me the keys. 
Yeah, and vaporized by having a flash and then a red outline that's a human shape showing a skeleton, then another flash, and they're gone, leaving behind their shoes. Yeah, well, I don't know how else you would be vaporized, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone knows when you get vaporized, you leave behind your shoes. And everyone can see your skeleton. <laughs> It, you know you know what that special effect really reminded me of what's that that scene in home alone 2 where uh the tall goody looking one gets electrocuted and he's shaking and then all of a sudden you see a skeleton and his head, then he goes back to being a human you're like this is this is supposed to be like a real movie like not a <laughs> science fiction movie um okay anyway so this guy is is driving around the the main the main character in this movie though is a uh, a young Emilio Estevez. Uh, it, around the around the my favorite age of Emilio Estevez. I'm a huge Emilio Estevez fan. He is second, pretty much only to Jeff Goldblum. So you're the one. I'm the one that what? Huh? Huge Emilio Estevez fan. <laughs> I'm a huge early career Emilio Estevez <laughs> fan. Uh, so yes, uh, early career Emilio Estevez plays Otto Maddox. Got a name, kid? Yeah, it's Otto. Otto? Otto Parts? <laughs> and he's kind of like the most apathetic <laughs> punk rock person. But he's like apathetic to being <laughs> punk. He's apathetic to everything. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the punk Auto because it only lasts for a short period of time. <laughs> but Punk Auto is pretty awesome. He he works he works at a convenience store and he and he puts he puts tags on his friend's glasses and he he doesn't watch the spacing of his cans. We're so tense, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's first introduced, he is working at this grocery store with his friends, and he gets fired because he's late and he uh, stacks cans incorrectly. And he kind of goes all punk rock on his uh, boss, pushes his friend over, and pulls off his clip-on bow tie (laughs) (laughs) and uh, walks out. And I believe he says, fuck you. Yeah, I think he flips a bunch of people off. And then there's the weird security guard who uh, is really handy with a gun. He's talking to you. Yeah, pulls a gun on him because grocery store security people are, are strapped. He also spins it around like he's in a western. Yeah. Okay, and then and then Otto goes to a pretty hardcore California punk party. Like everyone's everyone's out in the like yard slam dancing and there's uh okay, one thing I want to point out, this movie has one of the best soundtracks of all time. It really does. <laughs> like it's just it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Uh, Suicide Tendencies, Black Flag. I think the Circle Jerks are on it too. It's Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop wrote a song for this. Yeah, he, he wrote like the theme song. Yeah, he wrote the theme from Repo Man, and I think the Circle Jerks are in the movie, right? Uh, it's possible. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that they're in the movie. If not, there's another punk band in the movie at some point. Okay, and, and yeah, and so he's at this punk party, and then this girl he's trying to get with goes with another guy and then he leaves the punk party and then uh he does a henry rollins impression by singing tv party don't want to talk about anything else we don't want to know we're just dedicated to our favorite shows Saturday Night Live, Monday Night Football, Dallas, Jefferson, Gilligan's Island, Flintstone. Which, oh my God, is the greatest thing ever. It's pretty great. He's uh, just he's just sitting there like alongside a train track singing TV party. Mm-hmm. I like there's this movie's really hard to describe and put words to like the amazingness that is that scene. Like all I could do is just say it like and I just assume that everyone understands. Oh, and also he's wearing a single. Uh, I, I feel that this is important. He's wearing a single crucifix earring. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes no sense. 
No, not really. Not a lot about this movie makes sense. <laughs> um, I this is the kind of movie where we probably sh- I probably shouldn't have chosen it as the movie that we are going to do a podcast about. Yes, that's true. It, it's pretty much like not a whole lot happens through the movie, but a lot of great stuff happens. <laughs> But it has nothing to do with, with what's happening in the movie. Yeah, when I was rewatching it yesterday, I, I was thinking, you know, this is just a bunch of vignettes. Like, this was all, like, none of it actually fits together. It's, like, wasn't, there's that movie, what, like, Cigarettes and Coffee or something like uh, that? Yeah, the Jim Jarmusch movie, Coffee and Cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I heard that that was just a bunch of vignettes. I assume it was probably a lot like Repo Man. If, like, every scene had different actors, then Yeah. They would probably be close to almost the same. <laughs> okay. And then uh, he's he's walking somewhere after singing TV party. And then he meets a repo man. You're all repo man. What if we are? And this is when the movie actually starts. Because all that beginning stuff, awesome, had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> right and it didn't set up anything really <laughs> no it, it did set up a running backstory to the movie that we'll get to later because it's my favorite part of the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. because there's about five running backstories but there's one that's my favorite part uh-huh. uh and then the repo man and so dan you know what i suggest i suggest we talk about these repo men separately about like each one of them because they're all very distinct like pastiches of things Sure. When uh, Emilio Estevez first meets Bud, played by Harry Dean Stanton, Bud pretty much kind of tricks Emilio Estevez into repoing a car for him. Look, my old lady's real sick. I got to get her to the hospital, okay? So what? Take her there. I can't. I can't leave her car in this bad area. Yeah, which also, by the way, in that scene, Emilio Estevez is wearing a like leg holster for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And they kind of like he gets the, he brings the car to like the repo office and he meets all of these characters and kind of like gets offered a job right at the beginning. Yeah, because he's awesome. He's early career Emilio Estevez. He has a lot of potential. We're always on the lookout for a few good men. Screw that. I'm going to be no repo man. No way. It's too late. You already are. Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. So did you want to talk about Bud and like what? kind of dude this is yeah okay so there, there's a bunch of the repo men let's yeah let's start with bud let's start with harry dean stanton who actually puts in a really amazing acting turn i think in this movie yeah there is a thing about harry dean stanton i i think like R- roger ebert has said that he's one of his favorite actors and Ebert said that no movie featuring either Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh in a supporting role can be altogether bad. <laughs> um, except for Dream a Little Dream, which is a clear violation of that rule, apparently. <laughs> I've never seen it. But Harry Dean Stanton's pretty great. Get in at 3 a.m., get up at 4. That's why there ain't a repo man I know that don't take speed. Speed, huh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh yeah. He's he, he really he plays he plays his character Bud, which is this this uh odd uh, repo man character who has a very strict code of ethics. And and yes. he really loves being a repo man. Like he thinks that repo men are the greatest people ever. Yeah, and his this what he calls he calls it the repo code <laughs> yes i shall not cause harm to any vehicle nor the personal contents thereof nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm it's what i call the repo code kid which honestly sounds like the three laws of robotics by isaac asimov <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's funny because uh what the guy who's driving the Malibu is kind of Asimovish too. <laughs> like yeah. he looks like Asimov <laughs> a little bit. But, but yeah, so he has this code, and he has a lot of other rules, like you know, dress dress like a private detective. 
Yeah, at which which Emilio's character over like a three minute period of just clips of the movie all of a sudden goes from like a white t-shirt and jeans and that weird holster to wearing a suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the reason for that is that, you know, private detectives dress like like squares and people will assume that you have a gun on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except does Bud carry a gun? Uh, he does not carry a gun. And why not? Um... Well, Dan. An asshole gets killed for a car. Yeah, and and he and but also assumes that everyone follows the code too, which is insane. It it is insane, and it's funny because I think like right after that, we're introduced to another repo man who does the exact opposite. Of yes. the repo code. Yeah, and this would be a uh, character called Light. So, so far we have Bud and Light. Mm-hmm. Do you see a theme, people? <laughs> so, uh, what what would you say that Light is like, Dan? Um, well, he's pretty much the exact opposite of Bud. He does carry a gun. He, gets, he throws himself into dangerous situations. I walk into someone's place of work. This shit's scared. They know I'm not a cop. I think I'll come to kill him in a wood. I'll kill anybody who crosses me. You know what I mean? Stealing cars. One of the things Bud said that is he never hotwires a car. He never breaks into a car. He never, like, opens the trunk. And he's, you know, made a career as a repo man never doing those things. Light pretty much does all of those things. He... You know, we'll break windows, you know, Jimmy locks, hotwire cars, take anything in the car that he wants, you know, throw stuff out the window. And isn't isn't there a scene where he talks to Otto about, what is it, the diuretics? Oh, oh, yes. Diuretics, uh, the science of matter over mind, which Mm. I think is a hilarious joke at the expense of Scientologists. Alex Cole was up on that. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the bigger themes in the movie is that this is like, this entire movie is like this humongous social commentary on 1980s Los Angeles. There's fucking room to move as a fry cook, man. You know, I could be manager in two years. King. God. And the Cold War. And the Cold War and all of the crazy culture thereof. And one of them is Scientologists. And there's this, there's is a running thing about Scientology that's kind of in the background, but, but, but it, it comes to the forefront when, when Light talks to him about this book that he founded, like a, like a Maserati or something. Yeah, Maserati in the Hills. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, gave, he, gave, he gives a copy to Otto, and he says he should read it. Yeah, I, I think that the kind of dichotomy between Bud and Light is, is kind of interesting because they, I think, at least this was my impression. It was kind of set up as the two sides of Otto's personality. Mm-hmm. Like the, the one that wants to believe that there's a code, wants to believe that there's good, wants to believe that following something really does good. And then the other side that just wants to fuck shit up. Pretty much. And it, it, it's really funny that, you know, it's this new kid. He's trying to learn the trade. And he goes with one guy who's like, no, this is how you do it. And then he goes with the other guy. He's like, no, really, this is how you do it. <laughs> um, and it's like they're complete opposites. And I don't know. It seems like Otto is kind of like this amalgamation of both of those philosophies. Uh, yeah. And a few other ones. Otto, sure. Otto is not a real character. He's just like the lens we see all of this movie through. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has very few actual personality traits that are not contradicted or changed at some part in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of like kicks around the movie, like (laughs) interacting with these just crazy people. Yeah. Things just happen to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a movie where things just happen. I'm a repo man. What's that? It's a repossessor. I take back cars from dildos that don't pay their bills. And then there's the owner of the repo yard. And who is that? Uh, his name is Ollie. And does Ollie have any real characteristics? I don't really remember Ollie. Nope. Ollie has no characteristics. Except at one point on the repo wire, a $20,000 repo claim comes in for that Chevy Malibu that that dude is driving around. 
$20,000 for a Chevy Malibu? And he doesn't tell the people about that, which uh, when Bud finds out about it, because that violates his idea of the code, causes him to go slightly insane. I like the idea that there's a repo wire. Do you think that's a thing that exists? <laughs> I I bet that there is. I really I really think that there probably is like at least back in the eighties it was probably fax. Now it's probably an internet thing where you could just like go on and be like, oh, well I can go repo this. Yeah, like I know like uh It's like, like bounty uh, hunters. <laughs> Do you think there's a bounty hunter wire? Oh, definitely. Because I know, like, there's, like, a database of, like, apartment listings for all these, like, renter agencies and stuff that they can access. So I'm sure there's, I don't know, a repo wire. Yeah, I can guarantee there's a bounty hunter one, though, because all the people jumping bail would get tossed on it. How are skip tracers supposed to find them? Sure. Or dog the bounty hunter. (laughs) Oh, Uh, God. (laughs) so yeah so then there is the one final and i think most important of all the repo men left to talk about uh and that would be miller miller who's not actually a repo man i don't think i think he's a janitor i think he just was like their mechanic in the yard i don't know but but he is awesome he has very few lines, but every line he has is delivered with the sheer certainty of someone who has done mushrooms, LSD, PCP, speed, and heroin all within the last five minutes. Sure. And maybe was already like clinically insane before taking all of those drugs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he has probably... This, this movie is full of like crazy quotable lines, but he probably has some of the best... Yeah, uh, he has he has this fun thing about flying saucers being the same as time machines and the first people in South America being from the future. Take South America, for example. In South America, thousands of people go missing every year. Nobody knows where they go. They just like disappear. But if you think about it for a minute, you realize something. There had to be a time when there was no people, right? Yeah, yes. Well, where did all these people come from? Hmm? I'll tell you where. The future. Where did all these people disappear to? Hmm? The past? That's right! And how'd they get there? How the fuck do I know? Flying saucers. Which are really... Yeah, you got it. Time machines. He also has this thing about, like, the collective unconsciousness of the universe and how if you're thinking about a plate of shrimp and someone comes is around and says <laughs> you, plate or shrimp... Yeah, it's someone, someone will say it. A lot of people don't realize what's really going on. They view life as a bunch of unconnected incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this, like lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example, show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. Yeah. That is part of just the collective unconsciousness of the universe. It's not like coincidence. It's just how the universe works. Oh, and he is also how we get introduced to the sponsor of the film. The sponsor. <laughs> you found Repo. this. You get to tell, talk about it. The movie Repo Man is sponsored by the company that makes those little Christmas tree air fresheners. <laughs> which are just everywhere. Every single car, every motorcycle, everything in this movie has one of these things on it. <laughs> Including at one point a the door to a uh, hospital room. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, these things are freaking everywhere in this movie. And they are brought up, I think they're brought up once or twice, and they're said that every car has one. Yeah, but you, I, I remember talking to you about this before, and you had an interesting question about how this happened. Yeah, like I'm 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 okay with, you know, 
this air freshener company being a sponsor of the movie. But I think the greater question that I, I want to know the answer to is what came first, the air freshener sponsor or the running gag through the movie? It's like a chicken and an egg question. It's just like that. The air freshener or the joke. <laughs> That's the modern day chicken and the egg, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, did were they approached by an air freshener company saying, like, we want to sponsor this movie. We want to give some money to make this movie. And then they, you know, fit it into the movie, which w- wouldn't have been that hard because not a whole lot happens. <laughs> or did they have this joke? already and they approached the air freshener company asking for for money or product maybe a bunch of the the ones before they've been scented so that not everyone on the set wanted to pass out all the time sure could could you imagine opening that many new christmas tree air fresheners yeah that's probably the worst paing job in all of Hollywood <laughs> in 1984 <laughs> Because those things are pungent. Yeah, like they, you're supposed to leave them partially in. Do you imagine like the PA every day has to go by and like lower the bags a little bit more so that they don't kill everyone? Oh, I, I think we, we may not have mentioned that every single repo man's name is named after a beer. Oh, yes. Bud Light Miller Ollie, which is what? Uh, I think that's Olympia Brewery. Okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah. There's two more characters at the at the repo yard. The last uh, character who I thought for a long time was a repo man, but isn't. He is their mm-hmm. rent-a-cop security guard, Mr. Otto Plechner. <laughs> yep. What do you remember about Otto Plechner? I don't really remember a lot about Otto Well, Plechner. do you remember about perhaps his military career? Don't you say fuck you to me. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, you Plechner. You're fucking right, I'm Plechner. Otto Plechner. Three times decorated in two world wars. I was killing people while you were still swimming around on your father's balls, you little scumbag. I worked five years in a slaughterhouse and ten years as a prison guard in Attica. Yep, and now he just dicks around the office of a repo. Also, he's like 40 years old in 1980. Yep. Which would mean that he was a baby boomer. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And was not alive during the first world war and was a kid during the second. That's true. So what the fuck is going on with Otto Plechner? Also, he knits all the time. And then later becomes a scaredy cat and doesn't protect the yard from bad guys. Yeah, fat lot of good, Otto Plechner. And then there is the, finally, the double-crossing secretary, Marlene. Oh, Marlene. What is there to say about Marlene? I don't really remember a lot about um, well well Marlene was working <laughs> Marlene was working with the other repo slash car thieves slash paramilitary organization, the Rodriguez brothers Drugs? hermanos Rodriguez don't approve of drugs ah uh, that's right yeah, yeah, there is another um kind of repo organization that was going after the same car. They were this Malibu, the Chevy Malibu, uh, the Rodriguez brothers. It seems like there's a long history between this repo yard and the Rodriguez brothers. (laughs) Specifically between Bud and the Rodriguez brothers. (laughs) Whose names are Legarto and Napoleon. (laughs) And And Legarto wears a hairnet the entire time. So yeah, I mean... And uh, I mean, all this kind of comes together. And it, I mean, the general plot of the movie by this point is a race to repo this Malibu. Yeah, the $20,000 Malibu. Yeah. The other factor in it is there is a uh, government organization trying to also get this Malibu. I think they're, are they, they're the ones that put up the reward. Yeah, but it's not clear if they were ever planning on paying. That's true. Also, one of the one of the agents had a robot hand. Yes, that would be Agent Rogers. Uh, R O G E R S Z. Mm-hmm. 
It, it kind of seems like this is a really, really inept men in black type organization. Yes, except they're most of the time in white because other than Agent Rogers and a couple of other agents, one apparently played by Jimmy Buffett. Apparently. Uh, it They're mostly just in these white biohazard suits the entire time. <laughs> we never find out anything about them, really. No. Uh, yeah, I, all I, all I have written down, I took some notes is agent Rogers, the one with the metal hand. (laughs) Yep. And I, I do think there is, uh, if we're talking about the characters, there's one more kind of important character and that's the character of Leela. Yes. Yeah. Layla, Leela, who knows? The, the one thing I remember about this character is she didn't really matter in the entire movie. No, no, uh, she had she had very little, but this is a character, uh, Otto sees her running around after he repos a car, yells at her like, hey, baby, want to ride? Mm-hmm. And eventually he gives her a ride uh, after yep. crashing into some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he drops her off at the United Fruitcake Outlet. Yep. Because she's, she's part of this alien groupie thing. She's the person we find out that there's aliens in the trunk. And then... Uh, Auto propositions her. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you want to go out with me again sometime? I don't know. I'm going to kind of be busy with work and Malibu and everything. Okay, great. Perfect. This is shit. What's your problem? I mean, girls might like you if you lightened up a little bit. Fuck, man. Girls pay to go out with me. All right? Want to get back in the car? What here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and so it seems like the movie's gonna go in a direction where, like, oh, you know, he's gonna try and woo this girl and all that. Yeah, um, like find the car for her because. She's looking for the same car, except she doesn't want the money. She wants the aliens. and Right. But it turns out, you know, Otto just doesn't care about anything. <laughs> Not even this girl. So he can't even be bothered with a love interest in this movie. Yeah, but at, at one point, Otto is uh, captured by the men in black. Mm-hmm. And he tortured for information. And the person who tortures him is Layla. I'm going to have to torture you. But I want you to know it isn't personal. Look, uh, this isn't really necessary. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Good. Where is the Malibu? I don't know. Somebody ripped it from the yard. I don't think he knows. Increase the voltage. What if he's innocent? No one is innocent. Proceed. Yeah, and I think towards the end of the movie, she says, like, oh, you're not even going to do this thing for me? And he's just like, whatever. Right. Yeah, and she wasn't even, like, Throughout the entire movie, she didn't care about her relation. Like, she was like kind of playing hard to get. Yeah, and yeah. Clearly, she was hot for him, but she didn't want to just like give it. And Otto just like walks into her place of work, drops his pants, like give me a blow job. Take off your clothes. I'm at work, Otto. Oh yeah, me too. Your work is different than mine. So too. What are you doing? Don't do that. The least you could do is give me a blowjob. Right, right. <laughs> he didn't want to put forth any effort. Because as he said, girls pay to go out with me. <laughs> oh, early career Emilio <laughs> Oh, it's so great. So, okay. So now that we've talked about that, we should probably talk a bit about the driver of the Malibu. His, the character's name was J. Frank Parnell. Oh, no. <sighs> J. Frank Parnell. Yes. Played by Fox Harris. It was a crazy, crazy person. <laughs> He's just a crazy, lobotomized guy. I had a lobotomy 
lobotomy. Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. Designer of the neutron bomb. You ever hear of the neutron bomb? Destroys people. Leaves buildings standing. Fits in a suitcase. So small. No one knows it's there till blam. From what I from what I was able to tell, he was mm -hmm. the creator of the neutron bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is a quick science corner side because there's not good, there's not much science in here. So this is the one science corner part of this podcast. You know, we're not doing the the more typical kind of uh, segmenty thing that we normally do here. Uh, so science corner, uh, neutron bomb, real thing. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. Because that that's all there is to mention. Like the neutron bomb, actual thing. Uh, and and so he was the creator of the neutron bomb who had a moral, like, breakdown and then got lobotomized. Right. And I believe Emilio Estevez says, like, that's not really a normal thing that happened. Like, <laughs> isn't that for crazy people? Isn't that for crazy people? And he said, no, my friend had one. <laughs> and, but his friend was him. Right. So he was a crazy person. He is. Uh, and he does, he's wearing, like, aviators with, like, one of the lenses <laughs> popped out. Um... <laughs> Uh, and, he, and he claims he smuggled an alien out of the base. But I think, at, at least from thinking about it and also reading an interview with Alex Cox, that I think that it was not an alien. It was just a bunch of, it was like a halfway uh, always on neutron bomb that was in the trunk. Not aliens. He just told people it was aliens. Have you read Alex Cox's autobiography? Because apparently he wrote one. No. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to stop doing this podcast for a second as I go to Amazon. <laughs> So there's there's J. Frank Parnell. He's driving around with the neutron bomb in his trunk. Mm -hmm. uh, and people really want his car and the men in black want it. Uh, it's yes. the, yeah. Uh, okay. So now that we've covered all of the things that are uh, part of part of this, uh, you know, the main so-called main characters, let's talk about the best characters in the movie, Dan. Okay. And you know who they are, right? They are Otto's uh, punk friends. How many friends you got there, Otto? Thanks. I made it myself. <laughs> Whose names are? Um, was it uh, Archie, Duke, and Debbie? Yep. Duke played by filmmaker Dick Rude. Which, <laughs> by the way, awesome filmmaker name. And he didn't even do porn. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising. Yep. Yeah, it, it actually kind of is. A little bit. He, and he, who's to say he maybe didn't do secret porn? Uh, yeah, but he did direct Red Hot Chili Peppers music videos. Pretty much pornography. <laughs> when they're wearing those socks on their, on their wings. I don't know if he did that one. What movie was uh, that for? I bet they always <laughs> wear, wear socks on their wings. Uh, yeah, possibly. So let's talk a bit about Archie, Duke, and Debbie. Because mm -hmm. they are the best characters of this entire film. They are the best characters in the whole film. Yeah, uh, they're, they're friends of Otto's, but not really. <laughs> they were friends of Otto's until he became a repo man. Right, because repo men are the, you know... The man. <laughs> the man, the establishment, you know, taking back the property. So they're so the friend and the friends pretty much just go around like robbing things. Yeah, and, they're in uh, the middle of a huge crime spree, like massive. They rob a liquor store, a convenience mart, a drug store, another convenience mart. Wait, was that another one or was that the same one again? I think that was a different one. Okay, I don't know. I think I think it, at the very least it was a different actor behind the counter. Okay. Yeah, and these. Oh, and they also steal the car at one point. <laughs> they do steal the car. This looks like my car. Are there pecan pies in the back seat? Not anymore. We ate them. Yeah, I mean, th this car actually does get uh, get stolen repoed. a lot. It gets stolen from the uh, J. Frank Parnell character by the Rodriguez brothers. By the Rodriguez brothers, then it gets stolen by Archie Duke and Debbie. Yep, 
and then it gets taken back by J. Frank Parnell. Right. Who then dies and Otto takes it. Right. Uh, who then has it stolen from the repo yard, uh, apparently by Bud, who has gone insane at this point. Yes. And uh, it's then it's taken by Miller, who... <laughs> oh, by the way, it turns into a flying car at the end. Yeah, so then Miller flies away with... <laughs> with Otto in the passenger seat. Yeah. Mi- uh, There's- uh, Miller, who can't drive. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. And so the punks are on this big crime spree. Uh, Bud and Otto are constantly there, like, right after or, or during. Yeah, they usually show up kind of at the end of a crazy thing that happens, or they're... Like, like they they buy some beer uh and the person like can't make him change because he's shaking and it's because the punks are underneath like holding guns on him right right so they're usually like part of a scene but they're not like the main part of a scene. no and i think that's what makes it the best thing because i just try to imagine what's going on with them during the entire movie Mm -hmm. like oh what's going on with the punks right now Yeah, we haven't seen the punks in a couple scenes. Let's bring them back. Let's see what's yeah, going on. And also, they say the weirdest shit. Like, at one point, they're in a bar, and Agent Rogers is talking to uh, Leela and Otto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the punks show up. And then, at the end, what do they say? Uh, what do they say in order to, like, get out of there? Fuck this. Let's go do some crimes. <laughs> Which is, yeah, pretty much what they do. Uh, crimes yeah but who says that like fuck this let's go do some crimes and dick rude delivers it in such an amazing like his delivery throughout the entire movie is spot on yeah and then you know a little bit later on when they're argue they're kind of are bickering between themselves and uh the character of archie opens the trunk and is vaporized yeah well actually before that remember he's king archie he's in charge now right Yeah, that's true. King Archie the Invincible. (laughs) King Archie the Invincible. Um, And who then proceeds to, right after saying that, open the trunk and get vaporized. Yep. And Debbie and Duke. Debbie Debbie says, hey, Duke, let's go do those crimes. (laughs) And Duke says, yeah, let's go get sushi and and not pay. (laughs) Because... (laughs) <laughs> that's the greatest crime anyone has ever thought of yes they're I, so punk i kind of really really want to go do that yeah like like that seems like a crime i could get behind i love sushi sushi's amazing right yeah agreed and what's better than normal sushi free sushi free sushi yeah see this is kind of like you know Video games influence kids to be violent. Repo Men influences you to steal sushi. <laughs> oh, but... And, and then, I'm, it's just... And then there's... And it all... The crime spree finally all culminates in the greatest shootout in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, a, a lot of the characters in the movie die in this shootout no only one character died well two characters die a couple characters die but i think uh so duke well so first up uh buttonado had been fighting they got back together went into a store to pick up some oh we should point this out every single thing in there was bought uh from some people who make props for movies that everything's generic except for those christmas trees yeah yeah every single product says like meat flavored thing or, or like, food or food or beer or vodka or popcorn right. it's kind of like in lost with all the dharma food on the i island. never watched lost i was too busy re-watching repo man so anyway yeah so they're in a convenience store thing there's a shootout yeah, well the sh- punks come in to yeah. uh to do it right. i've been thinking now that we got some money, Archie's gone. Don't you think it's time we we settle down? Get a little house. 
I want you to have my baby. Why? Why? I don't know. Everybody does it, and it just seems like a thing to do, and... Asshole! Let's go do the job. Except Bud, for some odd reason, now has a gun, and he pulls it on Otto and Debbie, because Archie's right. dead. And then the grocery store security guard is there again. He sees mm-hmm. Bud pull the gun, and so he pulls a gun on Bud. Yeah. And then the grocery store or clerk pulls a shotgun from underneath. Otto is the only one who is not packing. Yeah. And I think, I forget who shoots first. I think the security guard, maybe? Um, uh, it doesn't I really matter. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, there's a lot of shots being fired. Bud gets hit. The... The guy behind the counter gets shot. The security guard gets shot. Um, Duke gets shot like three times. Yeah, and then Duke has probably the best death scene <laughs> ever. In- it great, it's the greatest shootout ever ended with the best death scene ever. Yeah, it's kind of like what you, if you were to write like, w- trying to suck up to they have like an Oscar worthy death scene. <laughs> This is what you would write if you were like specifically trying to write like an Oscar worthy death scene. And, and and Duke is like he's like on the ground and Otto's like down there with him and Duke's like Otto. Yeah, I'm here, man. The lights are growing dim. I know a life of crime led me to this sorry fate. And yet I blame society. Society made me what I am. That's bullshit. You're a white suburban punk, just like me. But it still hurts. You're gonna be all right, man. And just walks out. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And it's great. Yeah. And uh and Debbie does Debbie survives that. De- right? Debbie survives. She throw uh I believe Otto may uh, ask if she wants to fuck him. Yeah. Uh, and then oh, she yeah. throws a popcorn and leaves. <laughs> Pretty much. It was fantastic. It really is. That scene, honestly, if I had to pick like my top ten all time best scenes in the history of cinema, that mm-hmm. would be in there. Like that that ranks up there with the uh, Luke I'm your father from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, or the scene uh, this is one for me is uh in Jurassic Park when they first revealed the dinosaurs. So I think that that's all of the the characters and everything. Had most of the plot that we want to talk about. So let's talk a little bit about like the overarching themes of this movie. Mhm. So one nuclear war and nuclear scaredness like we're afraid of foreign countries and stuff. Yeah, like, you know, Reagan, Reagan America. Um, yeah, like there's a there's a part where like, Otto's watching television. And they're talking about like napalming Mexico. Yeah, but don't worry, there were terrorist training camps or something. This was '84. Yeah, so there was all these like kind of like Cold War, Cold War themes that were happening, and even like there were a lot of like little um, like digs at religion, like Otto's parents. <laughs> gave all of their money to like this TV preacher to send Bibles to Singapore or something. Yeah. El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador. And he's against communism abroad and liberal humanism at home. Well, what about me? You're on the honor roll of the chariots of fire. Same as us, Otto. It was a gift from all of us. Joint- yeah. And his parents are just like blindly sitting in front of the TV, like staring at the TV, pretty much brainwashed. Yeah, and, wow. and, there, and there's the thing that uh, Bud says, which kind of shows, like, his character and his removal from all of this. Uh, Ordinary fucking people, I hate them. Which, yeah. I just rewatched the first episode of Party Down. Martin Starr's mm-hmm. character says it, like, 20 times. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you said that that's one of your uh, favorite, favorite lines. It, it is. It's, or, it's Ordinary fucking people, I hate them. 
Yeah. And also, it makes me happy because it's mentioned in Party Down. Sure. Which is yeah. a fantastic show. As you do. Uh, oh, and there's also uh, something about uh, Bud hating communists. What are you, fucking commie? Huh? No, I ain't no commie. Well, you better not be. I don't want no commies in my car. No Christians either. So he has like, oh yeah, he has some weird ideologies. And, uh, yeah, and there's also all the characters, like a shitload of characters wearing smiley face pins. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really kind of want to know what's going on because I thought there was just a UFO thing. But then Otto's wearing one, but that makes sense because he had sex with Leela in the back of that car that time. Uh, mm-hmm. But then a bunch of other people are wearing them. And like, there's so much stuff that's going on in this movie. I think the majority of my love of the movie is trying to figure out what's going on in the background. Yeah, I think like so much is going on in like one scene in the background, that, like more so than like any entire other movie. Yeah, and like all the in jokes, like the one two seven GBH is the license plate for the Malibu. And mm-hmm. that's actually kind of a shout out to the band GBH, Grievous Bodily Harm, which is a hardcore punk band. Yeah, yeah. And like if you look in the background, a lot of the graffiti is like punk band related. And yeah, there's a lot of like little little in jokes all over the place. And it's just great. Like it makes it, it makes no sense. It's all just wonderful and insane and surreal and fever dreamish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've already, you know, touched on it, but the one of the other things is besides kind of the Cold War America criticism, there's also like an intense criticism of like LA culture. Oh yeah. And just like how terrible it was in the early 80s and especially Scientology with the diuretics book and all the digs at the people who read that and follow it. Okay, so to, so to finish this up, how about let's talk a bit about that final scene? Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I think we should. So at this point, we're back at the repo yard, the Malibu is there, and it's glowing. Bud, listen to me. You're sitting in a car worth $20,000. Look, we, we turn it in, we take the money, we split it 60-40, you and me. Who gets the 60, kid? Well, I don't know. I figured since I found the car first that, uh, that you get it. It is glowing. Like, bright green. Yeah, how did it glow? So here's the funny thing, and probably the most surprising little thing I learned about this movie, is that they didn't use any special effects to make that Chevy Malibu glow. They completely coated the car with 3M reflective paint. <laughs> yeah. So that's insane because you could just use special effects. This paint costs $600 a bucket. (laughs) Okay, so the the car is glowing. Uh, The men in black are there. They brought some religious leaders to help do it. It's it's, uh, hailing ice cubes. Right. And uh, isn't like when anyone touches the car don't they get vaporized no uh they they like start on fire or get blown back and like it's hard to even approach the car and there's this weird like couple of people one in the like science one scientist and one men in black guy just sitting on the uh trunk of a car just talking about random things and about diuretics (laughs) yeah 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 which also by the way diuretic come on (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and so what else is going on in this scene like oh uh bud gets machine gunned down by a helicopter he does that does happen yeah because he does bud after getting shot in the scene uh with the the punks robbing that store he's in the hospital and he kind of goes crazy goes back to the repo yard steals this car and brings it to to the the hospital and then back to the repo yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and oh God, it's just, I, it, that final scene. And then, and then in the end, you just see this flying car floating through the LA skyline. Yeah. 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 So Miller ends up getting in the car, uh, which we've already said he hasn't, I think he hadn't been in the movie for a while up until that point. He just kind of shows up again, gets in the car, kind of waves auto to, you know, over, but like, hey, get in. Miller, what are you doing? Going for a little spin. 
and it's like this car is blows people away if they try and get near it. So it's kind of like, you know, why do these people can go in the car and not other people? It's kind of strange. And then the car just flies away. <laughs> the car flies away. Yeah, and, 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 and it's lifted. It lifts straight up. Like it's not. It's not like it has to go forward. It it like it hovers up and then goes forward when he hits yeah, the have gas. You, have you seen Flubber? It's just like that. <laughs> oh my god, it is. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's all I could think about when watching this. I'm like, this especially is with pretty... the gro- glowing green. Yeah. This is this this movie is Flubber. You rape them, and, and you guys are all out to fucking lunch. So, and then that that's the end of the movie. Yeah, but it's not the end of the Repo Man universe. The Repoverse. I'm not talking about Repo Men. Mm-hmm. That was bullshit. I haven't actually nope. seen it. I don't know how much bullshit it is, but I'm pretty sure it was bullshit. I have not seen it either. I was joking. <laughs> but in 2009, Alex Cox released a not sequel. Mm-hmm to Repo Man called Repo Chick. Was it officially called a not sequel? Uh, yeah, uh, just a second. Uh, let's see. Non-sequel. Non-sequel. Uh, and so this is a movie star, uh, uh, about a character named Pixie De La Chasse. Mm-hmm. who is a L.A. heiress who has gotten uh-huh. disinherited by her family. Uh-huh. And she needs to get a job, and she becomes a repo chick. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. <laughs> I want to say I have not seen this movie. It, uh, it, was, it was shot for a, under $180,000 so that it was not covered by the Screen Actors Guild. Uh-huh. Uh, most of the sets were made out of toys. Mm-hmm. It was entirely shot on green screen in 10 days. <laughs> and it is perhaps the greatest movie ever filmed. <laughs> now, yeah, I think and you by greatest, said, I mean awful. <laughs> well, you had said that, that you were kind of like ready to write it off as a terrible movie until the very end. Yeah, the, the last third of it completely makes up for having had to watch the first like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. there's about 15 minutes after the first 45 that are just okay but after that like when everything starts coming together it is the most insane and wonderful film that i have that i have ever seen Mm. because it makes it's it's seriously a fever dream like this is the kind of thing that the dotists would have thought was too weird Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in no way I'm in no way king. There's a character named 666. There's another named Savage Dave and Eggy. This is like Pixie De La Chaz's uh a, a group of like lackeys. Hmm. There's also one of the terraces named Giggly. There's also Supreme Court Justice Two Strikes Espinoza. And I, I, I just looked up. I mean the village voice actually kind of gave this an all right review yeah it it's it's definitely polarizing uh on rotten tomatoes has like a four on imdb it has like a 3.9 but there are groups that think that this is absolutely amazing yeah the village voice says that uh goofy funny fluffy yet sharp and for all its flaws repo chick is a midnight movie blast oh yeah it and also it it has the same color palette as Speed Racer. <laughs> I do love Speed Racer. Speed Racer is the best looking film ever made. True. And so also in Repo Chick, there's a bunch of guys who were also in Repo Man. The guy who played Archie mm-hmm. plays Arizona Gray. Dookie wookie hurt his to Fuck you, Archie. Just for that, you're not in the gang anymore. Uh, <laughs> the guy who plays uh, a... A character named Lorenzo uh, was in Repo Man as as oh he played Legardo and uh, let's see there's there's a couple of other oh uh, there's also uh, Jennifer Balgobin uh, who plays Nevada in Repo Man Repo Chick also played Marlene in Repo Man 
Uh, and then there's Xander Schloss, who is a doctor in Repo Chick, who played Kevin in Repo Man, uh, which was uh, Otto's friend from the uh, grocery store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, it's really weird. Like, no one plays the same role because he only half owns the rights to Repo Man and so can't make a sequel, even though he's gone on record multiple times saying he wanted to. Right. Uh, and so he just made a non-sequel with a bunch of the same actors. Uh, <laughs> and originally, this was supposed to have a $7 million budget and be an actual movie. Yeah. Uh, but then he had created his first, what he called a micro-feature called Searchers 2 and decided to do the same thing for Repo Check. Wow. Way to go, Alex Cox. Yeah, Alex Cox, pretty awesome. Repo Man, super fucking great movie. Repo mm-hmm. Chick, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the best I could say. Like, I, I can't honestly give a it's awesome rating, but I can definitely mm-hmm. say that you should watch it. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we haven't even mentioned the most important part of Repo Man. We haven't? We haven't. You know, we've been talking all this time. We've never mentioned the most important thing having to do with the movie Repo Man. It, the most important thing is that it was produced by uh, Michael Nesbeth from The Monkees. <laughs> what? Was a producer on Repo Man. How do I not? I never looked that up. I never even thought to look up the producer's. Yeah, and and uh, I believe he is on like one of the TVs in the background at some point. He's in in some ad on TV. Okay, how about we close this off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey um, Dan, how about we close this off by giving some ratings to this wonderful movie? Some ratings. Give some ratings. I, I really I liked this more than I thought I would, <laughs> and more than you thought you did. More. <laughs> well, because like. So I, when the first time I watched this, like I had not seen this movie when you picked it. Yeah. Um, and you had prefaced it by saying it's one of your favorite movies, which is usually not a good thing to preface a movie by saying. Um, Why not? <laughs> I think it, it gives a high expectation to, <laughs> True. to the new fair, viewer. Fair enough. But I watched it and I was like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> what just happened in this movie? <laughs> And uh, then I watched it again, and it was great. I think once you get because this movie does not follow any traditional movie structure. No, it, it does not. It does not have three acts. There's not a climax. There's not falling or rising action. It just happens. It just happens. And I think I, you know, when you start to watch a movie, you kind of expect those things. So when a movie doesn't do any of it, you're kind of like, what? What is happening? Um, so. By the second viewing, I had gotten over that, and I focused on all the crazy bullshit that happened, and it was great crazy bullshit. Yeah, well, uh, my, my rating is 10 auto Plechners out of 10 automatics. <laughs> oh, is that what the, what's the ratio? <laughs> I don't really understand how that works. I'm just going to say that you thought it was a great movie. <laughs> okay, and uh, so... I want to thank everyone for listening to this and for listening to our previous shows, I'm assuming. And uh, uh, you should probably like go to iTunes or something and like leave us reviews because I don't think that we have any. No, I don't think we have any either. Um, but yes, leave us a review, please. Yeah, le- leave us a review because we're awesome and you want other people to know. Tell all of your friends. Like, mm-hmm. write a big email uh, and uh, email it to your entire, uh, entire address book. Yeah. You guys still have address books, right? Because I'm not entirely sure that I do. I think what people should do is burn an episode to a CD, write longhand this uh, a letter explaining why people should listen to this, put it in a, a mailing envelope, and uh, drop it in the mailbox to your to your friends and loved ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you should definitely do that. Uh, I, because, I mean, that's clearly the most effective way. Uh, and uh, so just everyone thanks for listening if you have any feedback if you want to perhaps suggest a future movie to us if you want to yell at us for say uh, not 
keeping a decent schedule for this. Uh, sorry about that. That we did not mean to miss last month. You can send us an email, Sam and Dan at acmescience.com. You can head on over to Acme Science for some links about this, I'm assuming. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's at least for a blog post with a fun picture that Dan's going to make. Yeah, maybe that too. Uh, definitely that. At least that much. Uh, oh, responsibilities. And then, Dan, do you want to let the listeners know what they're up for? Hopefully, uh, we're going to try to do this one in about three weeks. Uh, yeah, that's the plan. And the plan is to do RoboCop. Which I'm sure everyone's really excited about. Uh, and I'm excited because I've never seen it. Yeah, well, I'm going to preface it in saying it's one of the best movies ever made. Okay. Wow. So, so it's not just thanks. one of your favorites. It's, no, it's one just, of the best. Yeah. If you look at the, um, if you look at the, the, you know, American Film Institute top 100 movies, this is like number zero because it's at the top. It's above number one. Wow. I'm, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. And uh, so everyone, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah.